You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. How do you stop the mirror effect? The mirror effect is simply when we reflect or respond in kind to somebody. When we mirror hate for hate, anger with anger, we match bitterness with bitterness in response. Henry Nouwen said this, when we are crushed like grapes, we cannot think of the wine that will become. It's hard to think about the good that can come out of something when, when something's really hard or you're being crushed. But here's something I think is really true. We're either transmitting or we're transforming our anger our pain, our bitterness, our despair. Are we transforming or are we transmitting those things that are negative and difficult to deal with? So how do we transform bad into good without transmitting it? How do we let Jesus turn our water into wine? In John chapter 20, we see three scenes where the wine has run out on the disciples' hopes. And then we see Jesus show up and turn water into wine, um, turn a lack of something, turn something that, <laughs> that wasn't great into something amazing. In John chapter 20, uh, we're going to look at just three quick scenes where the wine has run out on the disciples' hopes. This is when Jesus has died on the cross. But when Jesus shows up in the resurrection, he turns their water into wine. Let's just look at them really quickly. The first scene is with Mary, and she's crying at the tomb. And Jesus takes the water of her weeping and woundedness and turns it into the wine of redeemed loss and healing. The next scene, we see the disciples are hiding behind locked doors, and there's a spirit of fear because of the loss of Jesus. But Jesus shows up and turns the water of their displacement and fear into the wine of spirit-filled community. And then the last scene that I would point out in this chapter is is that of Thomas, often known as Doubting Thomas. He's standing in doubt and anger, and Jesus shows up and turns the water of doubt into the wine of hard-won hope and faith. When we are crushed like grapes, we cannot think of the wine we will become. It's hard to think of the wine that we can become when we're crushed. It's easier to become bitter wine when we're crushed. When we are crushed, when we are going through it, how do we let Jesus turn our water into wine without becoming bitter wine? So I'd like to suggest this, that the best response to the bad and broken is the practice of the good and beautiful. Jesus demonstrates this uh, as the way of dealing with evil. It's how he dealt with evil uh, so that he didn't mirror evil with evil, hate for hate. He didn't reflect it back into the world. He retired it. Now, let's look more in depth at a key story at the very end of John's gospel to learn how to turn the bad and broken into something beautiful, into something loving and good. So for context, um, after the cross, all the disciples have divided and scattered. They've given up. Peter and several disciples have given up on Jesus and have now gone back to their old lives and their old jobs. In John chapter 21, verse 1, it says this, Later, Jesus appeared again 
to the disciples. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 17 begins, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, uh, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. And so they went out in the boat, but they they all caught nothing that night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out to them, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, hey, throw your net on the other side of the boat, on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. And so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Because this is a moment that's happened before. This is an echo of another story where Jesus said to throw your nets on the other side. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his, on his tunic, for he had stripped down for work. He's a fisherman. Um, he jumped into the water and he headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shoreline. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire with some bread. Bring some of the fish with you that you've caught, Jesus said. And so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn which is surprising because it was, there was so much fish. Now, come and have some breakfast, said Jesus. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Now, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Notice he calls him Simon, son of John, because Peter was his nickname. But Jesus wants to make sure that he's speaking right to the man that he met here uh, years ago when when this whole journey of discipleship started. Yes, Lord, Peter said, You know that I love you and take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You know, in this powerful story of restoration and just amazing love, did you notice verse verse 9? When it says, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking around what? A charcoal fire with some bread. So Peter's restoration is set around a charcoal fire. Now this is important because if you go back in the story to John 18, it says this, he, being Peter, was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. This is right before Jesus' crucifixion. Peter had to stay outside the gate, and then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she, said, she let Peter in, 
And then the woman asked Peter, you're, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, no, I'm not. He denied his Lord and Savior. Verse 18 says this, because it was cold, the house servants and the guards made a charcoal fire. And they stood around it, warming themselves. And Peter stood with them, warming himself. Peter ends up denying Jesus around the warmth of a charcoal fire three times. And then at the end of the story, Jesus ends up restoring Peter around the warmth of a fire, a charcoal fire, asking Peter three times, do you love me? Peter's greatest moment of denial and despair and disappointment happened around a charcoal fire. And Peter's greatest moment of restoration and love happen around a charcoal fire with Jesus. What an incredible moment. You know, it's interesting to me, so it might not have anything to do with this moment in the story, but charcoal is actually a natural filter, a purifier. It absorbs a whole range of toxins. It can be viruses, drugs, bacteria, chemicals, even fungus that can be in the water. Activated charcoal, that's like the technical term, if you put it in water, will help purify it. Now, think about Jesus' life and especially his death on the cross. When he was on the cross, evil was being absorbed into himself. He absorbed it and he transformed our darkness and our toxins, the world's toxins, by absorbing it into himself and creating something good and beautiful. Jesus' response to the bad and broken was always the practice and the creation of something good and beautiful. And it was around a charcoal fire that Jesus absorbs the failure of Peter and restores him. And don't miss that the love of Jesus that restored Jesus, that, that love was directing Peter to also be love to other people the same way Jesus was loving and restoring him. Jesus said, Peter, feed my sheep. Love my people, my sheep. Jesus doesn't respond uh, denial with denial, rejection with rejection to Peter. He doesn't wield a sword like Peter did in the garden. When the soldiers came to take Jesus away, Jesus said, no, 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 we don't do that. Jesus doesn't respond to the bad and broken with more brokenness, with more evil, with more violence. He breaks the mirror effect in the world with love. He responds to the bad and the broken with good and with beauty. Not only do we receive this love, for those of us who begin following Jesus, we receive this love, but like Peter, we're called to be loved like Jesus by loving his sheep, even if the sheep are biting, even if the sheep are kicking us, and they don't even know their shepherd yet. We're called to love and restore others by our charcoal fire. And did you notice that Peter's failure brings him back to his old job? where the story all started. He gives up, he goes back home, and all of a sudden he's in back in a boat with some, with some mates fishing on the Sea of Galilee. It's the place where it all began with his friends and with Jesus that it all begins anew. I love that this meal around a fire isn't only with Peter, but a group of friends who had given up on everything when everything broke apart. And when Jesus brought them together to restore them around the charcoal fire, he didn't just give them a theory or a systematic theology. He gave them a meal and a new story of evil turned to good, 
of water turned to wine? What's been your charcoal fire of maybe denial, despair, or disappointment? Where did you walk away from your calling, your faith? When and where was the moment that you walked away because everything got so bad and so broken? And more importantly, will you allow Jesus to meet you there, right where you're at, and restore your fire, your faith, your calling to turn your water into wine to begin anew? How do we break the mirror effect? How do we transform brokenness and pain into something beautiful rather than just transmitting the ugliness back into the world? We meet Jesus by the fire of our failure, by the fire of the world's failures even, and we let him turn our water to wine. Guys, I love you so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.